Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to talk about how we fight our battles, the battle behind the battle through prayer today. So let, let me ask you a question as, as we begin. How many of you back in the day, like me, uh, remember, and maybe anybody was a fan of the Christian rock band Petra? Yeah. All right, so, so we got some pet heads here. That's good. It's unfortunate that Chris Roy, our bass player, is not here today since uh, he loves uh, Petra and would love a sermon starting with a Petra illustration. But anyway, uh, some of you heard me say this before, but uh, you know we've uh, worked with Revolution Church in Crossville and uh, Josh Carble, their church planner and pastor, has been here to preach a couple of times. And uh, one time we were having a conversation and he just kind of casually mentioned that Bob Hartman, who was who founded Petra, uh, was playing guitar in their band at church. And uh, I completely geeked out on him, uh, went all totally fanboy to the point that uh, the, the, one of the times that I preached there, he uh, arranged it for me to have lunch with Bob and, and his wife, uh, which was really cool. Um, but anyway, there's an old Petra song. And uh, the title of it, and uh, it's probably not politically correct today, but uh, it's based on, you remember the saying, uh, get up and fight like a man? Remember that, that, that old saying? Well, it's kind of a, a play on that. Uh, and the title of the song is get, down, get on your knees and fight like a man. And, and that's really uh, the essence of the text that we're going to look at today. Um, he's in, in Ephesians, Paul has been telling us to stand. Today, we're going to see the way that we stand, whether a man or a woman, is by getting down on our knees and, and, and fighting. Uh, you know, we've talked about over the last uh, seven weeks that we all have battles in our lives. But there's a battle behind the battle that, that, that's going on. There's a spiritual battle. We have a spiritual enemy, Satan and, and his forces, and he's working uh, to destroy us. And so if it's a spiritual battle, our weapons have to be spiritual. And so we've talked about the weapons that we have, the, the belt of truth and the sword of the spirit and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. And we've talked about that we can stand strong, firm in the Lord's strength by putting that armor on. But I want us to see today that we ultimately put that armor on through prayer. Prayer is not a seventh piece of the armor. It's the thing that undergirds everything that we've been talking about for the last three weeks. If we're going to fight this battle, we're going to fight it in prayer. Listen, we all have battles. We have battles inside of ourselves. We have external battles with situations, circumstances, people in our lives. But we have the resources in Christ, if, if, if you're saved, to do and to be that everything God wants you to do and, and to be, we just have to draw on those resources. We have to humble ourselves, seek the Lord, trust him, and, and, and not ourselves, and fight this battle on our knees. But our problem is a lot of times, you know, you know what a miser is? A miser is somebody who is wealthy maybe, or has enough at least, but lives like a pauper. 
lives like they're poor. And, and, and there's instances historically in our country of people who were so miserly that they, they were wealthy, but they died of malnutrition or uh, you know, died of lack of medical care because they wouldn't spend any of the money they had. And we're like that a lot of times spiritually. We've seen in Ephesians how rich we are spiritually, that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. But a lot of times we live like spiritual paupers because we never draw anything out of that bank account. And that's what he's calling us to do. Um, a couple of authors that I've quoted some through the last few weeks would say this. Prayer occupies a huge place in the book of Ephesians. By way of comparison, the book of Romans has 433 verses with 56 verses dedicated to prayer, essentially one out of every eight verses. The book of Ephesians, much shorter than Romans, has 155 verses and 31 verses on prayer. And for those of you who are mathematically challenged, that's one out of every five verses. Why does Paul focus on prayer so much in this letter? Clinton Arnold provides a simple, straightforward answer. Prayer is the essence of spiritual warfare and the most important means by which believers are strengthened by God. There's a grammatical connection between verses 14 and 18. Remember, verse 14 tells us to stand. Verse 18 says praying. We stand praying. The command in verse 14 is to stand. Putting on each piece of armor explains how we stand in warfare. That is, we are to stand by putting on the armor. However, when we get to verse 18, we learn that we stand by putting on the armor and we stand by praying. If you're not standing right now, if you feel like life is knocking you down, could it be because you're actually not spending enough time on your knees? They say there's more to it than that. Prayer is not a seventh piece of armor, but the means by which each piece is effectively employed. No doubt Paul mentions prayer last for the sake of emphasis. The passage that begins with be strong in the Lord ends with praying always with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is the, the critical component of our warfare. Joel Beakey explains prayer is critical because every piece of Christian armor is useless without it. Prayer is like oil. Just as every part of an engine is useless without oil, so every part of Christian warfare is vain without prayer. So the main idea that I believe that he wants us to get in this scripture today that we're about to read is that the fight against our spiritual enemy is waged through prayer. The fight against our spiritual enemy is waged through prayer. Look at uh, what Paul says here. As we've walked through verses 10 through 17 over the last uh, several weeks, let's pick up in, in, in verse 18 and uh, read and walk through verses 18 through 20 today. And then, like I said, Lord willing, we'll finish it next week. But uh, Paul writes this. He says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And so understand that the context in which he's talking about prayer here, because prayer can be expressed in different ways, he's talking about praying here as we fight spiritual warfare. And so I want you to read this in this context and read this in, 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 in the big idea of that the fight against our spiritual enemy is waged through prayer. But as you walk through these three verses, he gives us here seven characteristics, I think we could say, of, uh, of prayer. And so I, I just want to walk through these verses and, and point those characteristics out and uh, try to explain them to you. So number one, he says that we're to pray continually. Verse 18 tells us to pray always, which means on every occasion or at all seasons. To pray uh, continually. We say, what's that look like? I mean, how do you do that? I mean, am I supposed to like walk around with my eyes closed, praying, walking into walls? And, uh, you know, do I drive with my eyes closed? And that kind of, which you don't have to have your eyes closed to pray. That's a, that, that, that's a myth. Uh, the idea would be to help us to maybe focus or concentrate, but it might cause you to go to sleep. Maybe that's not advisable when you're praying. But uh, maybe it's something like this. There's a, there's a great little book called The Leadership secrets of, of Billy Graham. And um, in, in this book about leadership, they give an example in there that in, sometime in 1982, uh, Billy Graham was doing an interview on the Today Show. And when he got to the studio, one of the show's producers told his assistant that they had set aside, they'd reserved a, a room for him that he could have some time, uh, you know, to pray in uh, before, you know, they did this interview, just assuming that this world-famous Christian leader would want to pray before doing a live uh, television interview. And his assistant thanked the producer for, uh, you know, the thought of it, but declined, said he doesn't need it. And the producer was very surprised by this and, uh, you know, I guess asked about it. And so uh, Billy Graham's assistant said this, Mr. Graham started praying when he got up this morning. This morning, He prayed while eating breakfast. He prayed on the way over in the car, and he'll probably be praying all the way through the interview. Praying continually. Well, how do you do this? I think, first of all, this is why it's important that we start the day with the Lord in prayer and in his word. So we're kind of spiritually centering ourselves, kind of focusing on him where, you know, we make sure we're in fellowship with him. We're abiding in Christ. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, that's the kind of the foundation of our day. But then once we do that, we can talk to the Lord anytime, you know, out loud, quietly in our mind. I mean, any situation you face, uh, you face a temptation, God help me. Something good happens, thank you, Lord. You, you, a situation arises, you don't know what to do, God give me wisdom. Uh, you encounter somebody that's uh, apart from Christ, you encounter somebody that's going through a difficult time, you pray for that person. It's prayer, really what it is at the end of the day is an expression of dependence upon God. 
And it's living our lives in this kind of dependence, living our lives aware of his presence, um, you know, connected to him. And then it doesn't literally mean that we pray 24-7, but it means pray in every occasion, every situation, uh, you know, that we're living in dependence upon him. But as things arise, we can talk to him about it. Maybe it's kind of like, I think if you have a good relationship with your spouse, you're probably talking in the morning before you go to work. You're spending time together in the evening. Maybe you're not literally together during the day, but maybe, and, and hopefully you're not abusing this at, at your job, but maybe at some point during the day when you're on break, you're calling each other, or maybe when you have a second, you're texting each other, and that could be, hey, I love you, hey, I miss you, hey, I hope you're having a good day, or what time's dinner tonight, or you know, do I need to pick something up at, at, on the way home from work? But you're not literally communicating 24-7, but you're maintaining that connection as needed throughout the day, and I think that's a picture of what our relationship with the Lord can be like. So he says to pray continually. But number two, he says we're to pray with varied types of prayer. He says here, with all prayer and supplication, and, and all prayer basically means all types of prayer. You know, there, there's different ways uh, to pray. And uh, there, there's a simple acrostic that people have used down through the years to try to simply teach people how to pray. It's the acrostic facts. F-A-C-T-S. And, and F is faith, which would undergird a prayer that we're trusting our Father. A would be adoration, which would be worship. You know, praising God for his greatness, praising God uh, for who he is, just, you know, focusing on the attributes of God, that, that God is king, that God is grace, that he's love, that he's merciful, that he's powerful, all these things. Because really at the end of the day, the idea of prayer is to get to know God. It's not treating like God, God like a great genie in the sky. It's really about relationship more than anything else. The C is confession. Sometimes when we pray, what we need to do is to confess our sins. Because once again, prayer is not, we treat prayer a lot of times like getting God lined up to do our will when really prayer is us getting ourselves lined up with God's will, us surrendering to him, us confessing our sins, being filled with the Holy Spirit. T is thanksgiving. You know, are we thankful? Now, everybody talks about being thankful this week, but I'm talking about the other 51 weeks of the year. And isn't it easy? I'm guilty a lot of times. I'll pray and God will answer prayers and I just kind of, you know, move along. Are we thankful? That's a, that's a, that's a part of um, prayer. I mean, when you read the New Testament and what it says about prayer, it's amazing how many times Paul in particular uh, connects prayer and thanksgiving uh, together. And then the S stands for supplication, which is a big word. It just basically means to ask, to make your request to God on behalf of yourself at times, on behalf of other people at, at, at times. You know, we're to pray with varied types of prayer. It's worship, it's thanksgiving, it's confession, it, it's, it's asking. It's not just asking uh, all the time. Now, I mean, think about it, like with your kids, like if all your kids ever did was ask you for stuff, they never said, I love you. They never said, thank you. They never said, you know, is there something I can do for you? How's that going to fly? But don't we treat God that way sometimes? Prayer is more than asking. It, is, it, is, it does include asking. 
Jesus, or Jesus said, God knows their needs before we even ask. James said, we have not because we ask not. So it includes that, but it's more than that. Number three, we're to pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. Um, it says here, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And uh, Greek scholar Kenneth Weiss says that this means in the sphere of the Spirit. That is directed and empowered by the Spirit. Listen, you can't live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit and for a lot of reasons, but one of those reasons is you can't pray effectively apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He prompts us to call on our Abba, Father, knowing that we're adopted children of God, knowing that we don't have to live in fear because we have an Abba, Father in heaven. Later on in that chapter in verse 26, Scripture says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. We, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, what's that mean? That's so deep, I can't... Come, any, come anywhere close to fully explaining it to you. But I, but I can say this. Sometimes we don't even know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit knows what we need. It's the Holy Spirit somehow who is prompting us to pray, who is guiding us as we pray, who is interceding in the sense of bringing our requests before the throne of God. Really, uh, you know, if, if, we're, if, if our prayers are gonna get answered, I believe it's when, it's when we're praying according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because if, this, if it's the Spirit of God who is prompting us to pray in a certain way, then that prayer is going to be answered. Listen, if you're praying for some who's not a Christian and you've been praying for him a long time and you hadn't seen anything happen, but you still feel prompted to pray for that person, I believe that at some time, at some point, God's going to save that person. If you have a need, uh, you know, a problem, a situation, and it's not just you, but you just have this compulsion to keep praying, I believe that God's going to come through in that situation if that's truly the Holy Spirit who's leading you to pray. Listen, when the Holy Spirit leads us to pray according to Scripture, he always fulfills his word. True prayer Prayer is, is guided by the, the Spirit. You realize you can pray in the flesh? We can pray selfish prayers. And, and that's why I, I believe, you know, when you think about the model prayer that Jesus gave, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. How does prayer start? It starts with worship. And then what did Jesus say next? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Surrender. Now, after that, he says to pray, give us this day our daily bread. But if we're going to pray right, we pray as we surrender, the Spirit's going to guide us. You know, I think the time that maybe that I most, maybe most explicitly experienced this in my life is when you know, Molly was three days old. She was having open heart surgery. And uh, there were people, there were a lot of people at the hospital uh, with us. 
Um, you know, this was way before COVID where there could be more than one person in a hospital with somebody. I mean, there was a large group of people there with us. And um, the deacons from our church in Maryland and I went to, uh, I don't remember, I guess it was the chapel, some private room in the hospital to pray through uh, the the surgery because at that point I felt like as her dad, that's all I could do uh, was pray for her. I I mean, I had no other way to influence the, the situation. And so we prayed for for a while, and um, they, everybody else left, and I just felt like I should stay, stay and continue to pray, but at some point, about 35 minutes into all of this, I just felt this release in my spirit. I didn't know what it meant. I, I didn't, I had no clue. I just felt like I couldn't pray anymore. I wasn't supposed to pray anymore. There wasn't anything else uh, to, to, to say, and so I went back downstairs to the floor that we were on, and, and, and as soon as I got downstairs, the doctor walked out from the surgery. I believe I stopped praying when the surgery was finished, and you know that was just God's Spirit leading and guiding and, and, and directing all of that. We're to pray under the leadership of, with the help of, the Holy Spirit. Number four, We're to pray vigilantly. Um, It uses the word watchful here. And and the word watchful means to be sleepless, to stay awake, to be attentive, to be vigilant. Um, The word picture would be of like uh, a, a soldier on guard duty staying awake instead of falling asleep. How many Andy Griffith Show fans are there? here in the room. Well, you may remember uh, this scene. Um, you know, this is the, the bank guard, and, and there's a whole episode about this, but I think it was a running thing in the show. Was his name Ira, Isa, something like that? I don't know, whatever his name was. Um, uh, you know, he, he was always asleep. And that's a lot of us in our prayer life. We're asleep. Now, I'm not talking literally, I mean, now I've fallen asleep praying sometimes. Sometimes that's maybe a good thing, you know, I'm lying in bed, that's the last thing you do before you go to sleep. Sometimes I just fall asleep when I'm praying. Um, uh, there's some of you heard this story before. When, when Robin and I were dating, we would pray together uh, every night, but like what we did, we, you know, we'd spend time together and then, you know, go home and then get on the phone and be on the phone until in the middle of the night. And one time we were praying together, it's like one o'clock in the morning and Robin fell asleep while she was praying out loud. But instead of snoring, she started talking in her sleep, which she still does. But this time she was praying in her sleep and she literally prayed and Lord, give us guidance from TV guide. I mean, that, that's a true story. That, that, that really happened. And, and so, I mean, we, we can like, we can literally fall asleep while we're praying. But this is talking about spiritually, we're asleep, so we don't pray. Now, now think about this in the context of spiritual warfare. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy He's like a wolf that wants to get the sheep, us. If we fall asleep, if we're not on guard duty, if we're not being watchful, if we're not being vigilant, he's going to come and he's going to steal, kill, and destroy in us and in our families. Are we vigilant in our prayers? Five, he tells us to pray 
with perseverance. And, and I'm sure there's a connection between vigilance and, 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 per, and perseverance. Uh, to me, I think of vigilance in the moment, perseverance as something that's ongoing. Um, it means we're to continue on in prayer without giving up. Perseverance means to give constant attention to a thing, to give unremitting care uh, to a thing. I, I remember, uh, this is one of the things I remember fr from growing up in, in, in church. There was a man in my home church, his name was Junior Owens. Fine man, but he was lost. And in and, and that church, Montview Baptist Church, prayed for him for like 20-some years before he actually got saved. Perseverance in prayer. Don't give up in praying. Uh, you know, continue uh, to pray. Did he get saved because those people were praying? You know, how, how does all this work, you know, when God's sovereign? I don't fully understand prayer. I'm not saying he got saved because those people were praying, but they would have sure missed a blessing if they would have stopped praying, even if, he did, even if he did get saved, right? Prayer is living in dependence upon God. Number six, he tells us here that we're to pray for other Christians. He, he says, you know, praying in this way with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We're to pray for each other. Do you pray for your fellow believers? Do you pray for your church, the leaders in the church? Do you pray for the people in your small group? That, that's a pretty good way to cover a lot of the church in prayer is just if everybody in their small group would pray consistently for the people in their small group. We're to pray for other Christians. Now, I'm gonna kind of come back to this next week as we finish up and uh, say more about that. So I'm just kind of gonna touch on that. But then I, I wanna come to the last of these uh, characteristics. That's number seven, we're to pray for the proclamation of the gospel. We're to pray for the proclamation uh, of the gospel. Jennifer, will you go back and put verses 19 and 20 uh, back up again? Uh, look at what Paul says here. And I, and I think this is amazing for a couple of reasons. You know, he says, pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may speak it boldly as I ought to speak. And, and, and there's two things uh, about these verses that amaze me. Number one, Paul says here a couple of times, he asked them to pray for him to be bold. Now, I don't know about you, I'm getting that letter if I'm back in the church in Ephesus back in the day. And I'm thinking like, why is Paul asking me to pray for him to be bold? I'm like, this dude does not need any more boldness. I'm thinking, I'm not sure I want him to be any bolder because what's he going to say to me next time? And then the other thing that kind of blows me away about this is, you know, he calls himself an ambassador in chains. You know, if this is me, I'm like, please pray that they would let me out of this prison. He's praying, please, he's asking, please pray that I would be more bold while I'm in prison. <laughs> I mean, for me, it, it, it doesn't add up. But what he's saying is, is our priority should be whatever the outward circumstances are, our priority is the proclamation of Jesus Christ.
Listen, what have we said continually for the last several months through COVID? The mission of the church has not changed. The priority of the church, of the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed. In fact, it's more needed now than ever. If not now, when? Maybe how we do some things needs to change. But the church's calling, the church's commission, the church's priority of fulfilling the great commission of making disciples of all the nations never has, never will change. It does not matter what the outward circumstances of our lives or of the world are. And I think we see that from what uh, Paul is saying here. And so we also see here, though, Paul putting a priority on evangelistic praying. Now, once again, you say, why? Jimmy, you've taught us in Ephesians that God chooses us, that God elects us unto salvation. Are you going back on that? Absolutely not. I believe that God chooses us, that we don't choose him. I mean, he chose us in eternity past. You know, we've seen that as we've walked verse by verse through Romans and through Ephesians. But I also believe equally as strongly that God's sovereignty and human responsibility are in no way in conflict with one another. It may seem like it sometimes, in our little finite minds. I believe God is sovereign and God is accomplishing his will. But God ordains the means as well as he does the ends. And God has ordained the salvation of the elect to happen through the proclamation of the gospel and the prayers of the saints. And we're not called to sit around and try to figure out all these mysteries. We're called to obey what God has commanded us to do, trusting that he is working out his will as we surrender and obey and pray and and trust doing what he's called us to do. And so we're to pray. And and I think we need to understand that at the end of the day, that this is where the spiritual battle rages hottest. It's over the souls of men and women, boys and girls. I mean, that's what's at stake. That's what's at stake in our witness. And that's what's at stake in how we live our lives. That's what's at stake when we gather together on Sunday morning. It's not just that you're showing up at church to do your religious duty. It's eternity is hanging in the balance for some people. In an interview, uh, Leighton Ford, Billy Graham's brother-in-law, was asked this question, how did Billy feel experience talk about or deal with spiritual opposition? I'm sure there was demonic resistance to what he was doing, especially in his role as a preacher. And he said he was very aware of that. There was also, before he went to, to a city for a crusade, a huge emphasis on prayer, especially in those early days. The churches would be called to pray. There would be prayer meetings held, sometimes all night prayer meetings. I remember going to some of those in London and New York where the churches would give themselves to prayer. So when he was preaching, he would know that there had been great prayer because this was a spiritual battle and that he was specifically being prayed for. 
Uh, Charles Spurgeon, maybe the greatest pastor who's ever lived, uh, said this. And, uh, you know, some of the language is a little archaic, but I think we can get the point. He said, the sinew of the minister's strength under God is the supplication, is the prayers of his church. We can do anything and everything if we have a praying people around us. But when our dear friends and fellow helpers cease to pray, the Holy Ghost hastens to depart, and Ichabod, the glory is departed, is written on the place of the assembly. What can we do without your prayers? They link us with the omnipotence of God. Like the lightning rod, they pierce the clouds and bring down the might and the mysterious power from on high. The Lord give me a dozen persistent prayers and lovers of souls, and by his grace, we will shake all London from end to end. And that's what happened. And when people would ask about the, pre, the, the, the source of, uh, of the power in his preaching, he would literally take people down to the boiler room of his church and, they, and they, where you would see that room packed with people on their face before God, crying out to God uh, for the souls of men. Listen, if you would do anything for me, would you pray for me in my life? And uh, pray for me as I preach and pray for the people uh, who are listening. You know, Robin and I have felt your prayers this year. Don't make it take cancer to pray for us like that, please. God wants us to be a praying church. He says, you know, that it's his will that his church be a house of prayer for all the nations. Will you pray for people that you know who aren't saved to be saved? We pray for our services. We pray for our church plants and, 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 and our missions. You know, we have three church plants here locally. Uh, there's probably close to 20 churches that we're working with in Honduras, the training centers, the boys and the girls club, uh, boys and girls clubs. Uh, we're finalizing an opportunity uh, to support some training in Uganda that we'll be telling you uh, more about in the weeks to come. But ultimately, at the end of the day, Jesus has said, by his authority, we can make disciples of all the nations. So we can pray, not begging him to do something we want him to do. We can pray for this, claiming his authority, but we do what he tells us to do and pray. We believe God for the salvation of men and women, boys and girls. The battle is fought in prayer. Listen, that's the battle. It's why we struggle to pray. Listen, I think prayer can be the hardest thing in the Christian life because I think that's where Satan fights us. He doesn't care what we do if we do it prayerlessly, if we do it in our own strength. But if we're standing strong in the strength of the Lord, he's gonna throw a lot of stuff at us. How do we stand strong? By claiming that we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ and drawing on those resources, using the strength that God's given us. I read a story about a world champion bodybuilder. And uh, I'm sure you've seen bodybuilders and, you know, just muscle upon muscle. And uh, so he was on a tour of Africa. And, and, and he was going into the major cities, but he was also going into these little rural isolated villages and, you know, putting on a bodybuilding exposition, uh, exhibition. And, uh, you know, he's flexing, doing all these things. I'm not going to even 
flex and make you laugh or anything. Uh, I'm not winning any bodybuilding competitions, but, you know, so he's in one of these, you know, little remote villages. I mean, they don't have electricity, running water, all these kind of things. And he's, you know, he's doing this bodybuilding exhibition, talking about health and all these kind of things. And uh, the, the, the chief of the village says to him through an uh, a, a translator, I've never seen muscles uh, like that before. And, you know, the guy's used to hearing that. So he flexes some more and everything. And the chief says, well, uh, can I uh, ask you a, a question? Uh, he's like, well, what else do you do with those muscles? And, and, and the bodybuilder says, well, you know, this is my job. I don't really do anything else with them besides what you're seeing. And the chief replied and said, what a waste to have all those muscles and not use them. And you know what? That's true when we don't pray. We have all the spiritual muscle of the victory of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But when we try to stand on our own, we're not using any of that muscle. He's strong enough. He's overcome. He's victorious. Will we stand in that? So what do we do with this? Well, let me suggest three things. Why don't you guys come on up here and be getting ready. Number one, if you're not a Christian, your first prayer is to call on the name of the Lord because he promises that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We just call on the name of Jesus today who died for you and who rose from the dead and place your faith and trust in him and confessing your sins, asking for his forgiveness, asking him to take control of your life. And if you pray that prayer in faith, he's going to answer that prayer. Second, there's some prayer guides. Under your, they're under your seats if you prefer a hard copy. They're in uh, the sermon notes in, in the app if you prefer a digital copy. But we've just basically put one area a day that we would ask us to join together in praying for as a church in the coming weeks, in the coming months. If you already pray regularly, could you just make this a part of your prayer time on these days where we're joining together and praying uh, for these things? There's some directions there, some scripture that goes with it. If prayer is not an ongoing part of your life, would you just commit to get up and begin your day in prayer to the Lord. And this could be a part of what you pray. My house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. And then third, as they sing.